Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 14 of Attitude Check, the Business Leadership Podcast. Today we have Sloan Gonzalez as a guest, and a lot of what Sloan talks about is leadership. So you'll hear a little bit more about her experience and what she currently does once we dive into the episode. Brent, what's something that's been on your mind this week? Well, John Mark, a lot of things have been on my mind this week, but one thing that's been popping up again and again between the different books and videos and podcasts I've been listening to is the concept of storytelling and how important storytelling is when you're trying to convey a message or get a point across, especially in the business world where the message that you're giving to your clients, the people you work with, the community is a huge part of success. Brent, I can definitely relate to that. When I was in school, one of the things that I enjoyed most was reading case studies, which are basically stories and tying lessons into those stories. And then when I also listened to John Maxwell or other leadership experts, they constantly have analogies and stories either from their own life or stuff they made up that sounds funny that gets the point across really well. And that's one of the best ways that I've learned. And one of the things that you're going to hear from Sloan is a good analogy and a good story that has it stuck with me, and I'm sure it'll stick with all of y'all. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Sloan Gonzalez. Endeavor to challenge yourself every single day. Engage with your community, effect change, and produce impact. I'm John Mark Radspinner. And I'm Brent Sabati. And this is the Attitude Check Business Leadership Podcast. We have the conversations that young professionals should be having, but aren't. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Attitude Check, the Business Leadership Podcast. Today we are so excited to have Sloan Gonzalez as a guest. Sloan is the program manager at Leadership Pikes Peak, and she is also an adjunct professor for the University of Colorado at Colorado Springs, so she teaches communication. Sloan has a lot of experience with leadership and communication. So Sloan, glad to have you on today. And uh, I'm really interested to hear your response to this icebreaker because it's a new one. But if you had to create a museum exhibit about yourself, what would you put in it? I'm excited to be here first off. That's a hard question. I'm not quite sure what would go in the exhibit, but what I do know is it would be a very probably eclectic exhibit. Um, I'm a person when I go to a museum that I don't like read every little like detail. You'll have like the little pla- placards and it'll say like, here's everything you need to know. I'm very much a peruser. Like I want to go in a museum and just look at it and then go to the next thing and go to the next thing. So I think it would be a very simplified <laughs> exhibit. I think probably would just kind of feature, I guess just the different things that I find to be relevant and important. So I'm sure there'd be some pretty interesting artwork, music, um, I'm sure some pictures of my two-year-old, because I think he's pretty cute. So I'm sure I'd throw a couple of those up there. But I don't know. I think just very, I feel like I have a lot of eclectic hobbies and things that I like. So I feel like that would be representative in the exhibit of Sloan, I guess. What are some of those hobbies that you have? Well, I love Colorado. I um, grew up in Texas, moved here when I was in elementary school, and was you know, in my early life was very much like the second I turn 18, I'm moving back to Texas. And then around 16, 17, I looked around and was like, why? Like, I love Colorado. <laughs> and I love Colorado Springs. I love the adventure we have access to around us as a city. So I really just love exploring all the different mountain towns and even just the little nooks and crannies of Colorado Springs that we have to offer. So that's definitely a huge hobby of mine. As I said, I have a two-year-old with another one on the way. And so I think I love spending time with my family and being able to kind of 
expose our sons that are coming into the world, just all that Clara Schmidt has to offer. So hiking and getting outside as much as possible, along with we love the zoo. I think we go to the zoo at least like once or twice a month. I'm a huge pop culture junkie, so I love all things like Doctor Who and Disney and all that fun stuff. We probably do a whole separate podcast on all those things. (laughs) You're talking my language right now. But yeah, so I definitely spend a lot of time in in that arena along with being outside as well. Sloan, what is your story? That is a great question. Background-wise, kind of what makes me me, I guess. So I was raised in a biracial home, Hispanic and African-American. But looking at me, you would not think those two things. Um, My mom had me when she was um, in college, and it was just the two of us for a long time. And then my mom met uh, my dad when I was about four, and they got married, and he legally adopted me. And that kind of changed the trajectory of my life without realizing it. Because then I, one, was growing up in a two-culture household, um, which was really important. I also was growing up trying to navigate who I was in all of that. And what my identity looked like around being adopted and not knowing my biological father and just kind of what comes with growing up in a home where half my siblings look like my mom and the other half of us look like my dad. That kind of just began to spark this kind of interest around identity and diversity and what that looked like. And when you grow up, I think, in a minority household, you're taught a lot of cultural lessons I don't think you're taught in other homes. So I think the idea of difference and diversity was something that was taught to me at a very young age, along with my dad's a lieutenant colonel in the army. So that brought a whole other element into that. For me, I always, people ask like, how do I, how, why am I the way that I am? Or what makes me a leader? I always give this example of my dad when I was probably, I'd say like 12 or 13, it might even been younger than that. But he would always ask, anytime I was upset about anything, his question was, Sloan, are you a le- are you an eagle or a pigeon? Was the big question. And I mean, anything. Like I was upset about a bad grade or I was upset because my friend didn't talk to me or even if it was like dating things, whatever it was, <laughs> the, question, the, the response was always, are you an eagle or a pigeon? And his idea behind this was, pigeons are all up in everybody's business right? There's thousands of them. They're all eating things off the ground and they're dirty and they just, there's nothing really, you know, it's like, oh, that's a beautiful pigeon, right? You know that they're there. They're kind of just there in masses. Whereas an eagle is this beautiful, majestic bird that when you see it, you stop and you take notice. But an eagle also typically is flying above the skyline and is focused on where they're going. They're not distracted by what else is going on below them or around them. They know where they're fo- they're going and that's where they're headed. That kind of idea, that philosophy, I think kind of drove me down the path that um, I started on in college. It was a lot of fast-paced, just go, 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 go. Um, I graduated college in like three and a half years, like started working right out of high school for a nonprofit, Worked for a nonprofit, then worked in retail, then worked back in nonprofits. But in everything I've done, it's always been like, I start the job and then I accelerate in it, which is great. But then in a lot of ways, then in a couple of years, I'm like, why am I doing what I'm doing? And then I get stuck and then I move to the next job, right? Which I think a lot of millennials do. Through that experience, I think it really allowed, I'm learning now as I'm entering into my 30s, the importance of like 
slowing down a little bit. And then, like, I can just cruise as an eagle. I don't have to be, like, a jet, like, constantly (laughs) flying forward, especially as I enter into that kind of working mom life and dynamic. Like I said, I have a two-year-old at home and in addition to having another little guy coming here in the next couple weeks. And so just trying to find the balance between pursuing um, what I feel like I'm called to do around my passions and my ideas, but then also finding the balance of what it looks like to cultivate my family and my marriage with my husband and, and all things that kind of come with that. And that's kind of led me down this path of finding the things that make me excited and passionate and realizing that it's not going to come from one thing. So, you know, working at Leadership Pikes Peak is wonderful. And I love what I get to do with cultivating young leaders and cultivating women in leadership. In addition to that, adding in that element of teaching at the University of Colorado, in addition to Pikes Peak Community College, is they kind of fill different parts of me in different ways. And I think I'm learning that I need that balance. Uh, it's a lot of juggling, but just realizing that in order for me to feel fulfilled, I need to kind of have my hands in a couple different things. So growing up in uh, a multiracial household, starting at the beginning of your journey, you know, you mentioned that had a big impact on the types of perspectives you had moving out into the world. And, you know, now you, you're a leader, um, you're a teacher, you influence the viewpoints of a lot of young professionals and young people trying to make their way into life. Give us a little bit of perspective on how that whole issue of just being able to see the shoe on the other foot, so to speak, translates into into teaching and passing that message along to your students. What I spend a lot of my master's program on and what I do a lot of work in now is in the research of identity and the role that identity plays in cultivating not just who we are, but also the kind of leader that we are. What I've learned through lots of research and lots of studies has been the fact that our experiences, whether they're positive or negative, has crafted our identity, right? Which is like common sense, right? We experience something, we take that, we kind of take that upon ourselves and that helps form who we are. But looking at that from the perspective of leadership and recognizing the fact that the same way our experiences influence our identity, our experiences also influence our leadership identity. And recognizing the fact that when we experience, say, for example, a boss who's a micromanager and we have this experience, we either walk away from that job and say, I'm never going to be a micromanager. That's not the type of leader I want to be. Or we walk away and say, hey, they got stuff done. Maybe that's the kind of leader that I'm going to be, right? We take those experiences and we turn them into a lesson that then helps form who we are. And I think I really try and cultivate that when I'm working with my students or when we're in the leadership programs is recognizing the importance of experience and the fact that we are unique individuals and that because of that uniqueness and those unique experiences, we are not going to have the same perception and that you're going to always view the world from your perspective and you're going to view the world from your perspective and I'm going to view it from mine. And when we're sitting down in a room together trying to get something done or accomplish a task, what does that look like when we're all bringing in those different experiences, those different perceptions. In order for us to be successful, in order for us to be good communicators, we have to recognize the role that experience and perception play in a conversation. And I think that's the biggest 
aha I have learned over the last couple of years. And I think it's the biggest, you ask like, what's the tidbit I try and pass to all of my students say at the end of like a semester is that's what I want them to walk away with. Yes, we're going to cover theories and all these other important things that they need to know on the exams and for assignments. But the lesson I think I want to impart on them at the end of that time is you have to know who you are and you have to know how your experiences impact who you are, but then also honor and respect that that same journey applies to everyone else in the room. That's so critical and important that we're aware of not just ourself and our identity, but the identity of others also. And so learning from you has been such a blessing for me because I went through Leadership Pikes Peak and that was one of the biggest takeaways was how do I put myself in their shoes? How do I learn from their journey and their leadership story and use it to better myself and also better communicate with them? So it kind of, it got me out of myself and that's been a, that's been a huge blessing. It's difficult to learn. It takes a lot of time, but definitely an important leadership lesson. Touching on the note of uh, culture and identity, recently I was doing a DISC assessment for a, a program to just see my communication and leadership styles, and uh, the kind of topic was brought up on how are these fitting into the context of different cultures. So, you know, the U.S. is a really interesting place where you have people from different uh, ethnicities and immigrants and all that sort of thing. So do you see anything in the field of leadership or communication that's uh, specific to a certain culture? Um, I guess in a, in a broader sense, if someone is, you know, from a minority background, how do they translate their communication or leadership style into, you know, Western archetype of leadership, which is very charismatic and dominant and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think it's so important that you brought that up because I think one of the classes I teach at UCCS is intercultural communication. And then I also do a lot of consulting work around um, what does inclusion look like in the workplace and communicating inclusively. And I just did a workshop just a couple weeks ago at an organization here in town around this exact idea of, right, how do we communicate with people who are coming from different cultural backgrounds than us? And I think looking at it from a societal perspective, when we're talking about America as a culture, we're a very individualistic culture. So all those things you described of being much more charismatic, kind of dominating the conversation, being very motivated and self-focused, right? And we're taught as Americans that we're unique, that we're special. I just spent like two minutes talking about how special and unique we are. But when we're taught this idea of specialness or uniqueness that brings on these additional traits of my way of thinking, my ideas are the most important ideas. And when we are working with cultures that are coming from more of a collectivist perspective that are more about the group, that everyone is successful, we're not successful unless everyone is doing well, there can be some tension. And so we have to keep in mind when we're communicating that the culture and the context that happens in a conversation is so important and so critical because it goes back to the idea of perception, right? Because you're bringing in your cultural perspective into the conversation and I'm bringing mine. And if we aren't aware of those differences, we're not going to be able to have that conversation, right? And so the big thing that I think we have to keep in mind with communication in a conversation is that the goal of communication is always to get to a shared meaning. It's not about you and I agreeing on everything, and I fully understand your entire experience, and you fully understand mine, and you agree with everything I agree with, we believe in the exact same, that's never going to happen, right? That doesn't exist. 
the goal is where is that commonality? Where's that shared meaning that we can agree upon? Coming from an individualistic culture, we struggle with that more because we want to be right. Mm -hmm. We want to debate. We want to have these, like, I mean, look at social media, right? We want to post these things and not ever discuss it. And we just want to have these, like, heated conversations. And that's not communicating. That's debating. It's a form of communication, but it's not a positive one a lot of times. Whereas when we're thinking about the fact of, it's not about whether you're right or wrong, or if my opinion is better than your opinion, it's how can we begin to understand one another to get to a place where we can move forward for a common goal? There are some cultures that are better at that than others. When you just look at the fact of when you bring in two different cultural groups, we have to be mindful of the role that culture plays when we're trying to communicate. And I just love that concept of finding a shared meaning because outside of, you know, just the topic of communication, communication in and of itself spills into almost everything, right? So if you look at business, whether it's sales, marketing, or even, you know, in your personal life, like relationships, you you just think about finding that shared meaning. And I think if people have that in the back of their mind, you know, that's a really powerful thing to, to remember. It's it's not about getting your point across. It's not about winning or, you know, anything else. It's about making sure that whatever you're saying and whatever the person you're talking to is saying, there's a connection somewhere in there, right? So I think it's great that you kind of said that because I think what we have to also keep in mind when we're talking about culture and communication is the fact that when we think about culture, we think about race or ethnicity. And culture is actually any group that has a set of shared beliefs, values, and norms. So gender is a cultural group. Religion is a cultural group. Your political affiliation is a cultural group. Thinking about the fact that all of these different identities and cultural backgrounds that we're bringing into a conversation is impacting it. Because we could have one cultural similarity, but then we have six others that are different, right? So we're talking about that unique kind of makeup of the individual. We can have similar experiences, But the fact that we're not 100% the same is going to create some of those contexts and those barriers that we have to overcome in the conversation. And I always use the example because I think when we talk about communicating through difference or with people who are different than us, that can feel really uncomfortable and even a little scary because you're like, I don't know what to say to that person. Like, we have nothing in common. Or what if I say the wrong thing? Or I don't say the right thing. And I always tell people that, think about if you're in a heterosexual relationship, so a man and a woman, you literally are communicating with someone of a different culture every single day. Like me and my husband have to learn how to communicate on a regular basis, though we've been together for almost 10 years, because of the fact that he is a man and I am a woman, and those different cultural makeups impact how we communicate. But because I value the relationship and he's important to me, I'm willing to understand how he communicates what he needs me to do to communicate because it's worth it, right? So the same way that communication, the goal is getting to a shared meaning, the other goal in communication is to build a relationship with someone. And the more we find that relationship valuable, whether it's a client because 
we need their business or it's because we want to grow in a friendship or an intimate relationship with that person or we just need something from them, the more we find value in the relationship, the more we're willing to maybe be uncomfortable or have to kind of navigate that water of how we communicate through that difference. And I think when we don't have that, we don't understand why it's important, we're less likely to do that. With a lot of today's communication issues throughout the country, um, you see issues where two sides of the conversation or argument are highly politicized. So I, I love the point that you mentioned on if you're you know, valuing that relationship and if you care about this topic, then you kind of have an open mind to seeing the other person's perspective. So in, in the society we are in today, how do you see people getting past that kind of political or cultural barrier when they may not have a direct connection to, to the other side of the relationship or argument? I think it's more a shift in our thinking. I think for a really long time, I would talk with people or interact with people and they would want to debate a topic. Like, oh, I know you think this way politically. Let me just ask you all these questions so that I can debate you on the subject. And I think it's shifting this idea of I think debates have a proper place in society when they should be utilized. But I think in regards to a daily kind of conversation with some, I don't think they have a place in that. I think we need to shift it and realize that nothing is accomplished in a debate but proving someone right or wrong. And we'll never learn how to honor and respect people if the goal is to prove someone right or wrong. Instead, I think we need to focus on, let's have a conversation where I want to learn more about you and your way of thinking. That is the goal. The goal is not me to prove my point or shove my idea down your throat. The goal is I genuinely want to understand your perspective with the hope that you genuinely want to learn about mine. And that's how we're going to build a relationship. That's how we're going to see different groups of people begin to understand one another more is when we begin to slow down and take a pause and say, it's not about me shoving my idea down your throat because no one learns that way. No one gets excited. No one's motivated by things being forced on them. But when they feel heard, they're more likely to be open to letting someone else be heard at the same time. So I think when we begin to shift our thinking in that way, which I wish there was like a magic like formula or pixies I could sprinkle on so many people to think that way. But I think it starts with individuals, I think particularly young people, being recognizing that we need to slow down and realize the importance of learning from one another and learn and realizing that you have something to teach me because of your experience and I want to learn more the same way I have things that I can teach you from my experience as well. That's something that I struggle with a lot is being able to be more humble in the sense that I need to sit back and listen before I can be heard, so to speak, you know, and just making sure that I'm not being in the conversation for the sake of, like you said, just shoving my point across the table. So it's definitely, that's a great piece of advice that I need to improve on on a daily basis. I listened to another podcast called Masters of Scale with Reed Hoffman. So he was one of the founders of LinkedIn. And one of the principles that has guided him through life and his success, he feels, is you make other people the hero of mm. the story, as opposed to always, like you were talking about, always trying to talk about yourself first, understand who they are, what their story is, and how to communicate with them, rather than trying to shove those things down their throat. Sloan, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've faced in 
being a leader at Leadership Pikes Peak and also as a teacher, you're somewhat a leader, you're a leader of your class. What are some of those challenges? It's funny you mentioned the letting someone else be the hero. And I think honestly, my biggest leadership struggle um, or thing I've had to overcome is the desire to want to be the hero, right? And I think there's this part, I think of all of us, of course, that we want to be honored and recognized. I've had to find the balance of desperately wanting to be known for the work that I'm doing, the skills that I have, and feeling like I have to overcompensate or say yes to everything in order to get myself out there. The more I'm around other leaders and have amazing mentors who are good at self-motivation, which is so important. You have to self-promote. You have to get yourself out there, but have that balance of, as you put it, putting other people, bringing other people along with you, I think has been my biggest learning experience over, I think, the last five years has been, I don't have to do this by myself. I don't have to be the only advocate because I think it was this feeling of like, if I don't self-advocate, then no one's going to self-advocate for me, which in some senses is true. But I need to bring along people who are going to help me, one, stay humble and two, and, and balanced and not be doing things for the wrong reasons, but also are going to help guide me and direct me on what I should be saying yes to. And one, that it's okay to say no to some opportunities. And what is my reason for saying no to those things? And I think recognizing I was teaching all of these ideas to my students and to the participants of leadership of leadership now in our women's program, WCLI, and I wasn't taking my own advice. And so the last probably two years, I've had to take a step back and say, I'm not just someone who's facilitating. I need to be relearning these lessons and being reminded of these things on a continual basis and that I'm always learning and that I'm not by any means the ultimate expert on anything that yes there are things that I have experience in and that I have expertise in but there are things that I need to continue to grow and the more I surround myself with people who also feel that way and also have things to teach me and that I remember to stay humble and like oh there's things that like I can say all those great things about listening to other people's perception and what they have to teach you but that means I also have to stop talking and listen and learn from those people at the same time. So I love the points that you mentioned about being able to remember that there's things you can learn from other people and having that dilemma of, should I make the other people the hero of the story or do I want to be the hero of my own story? And finding where your your character, so to speak, fits within your narrative. This is honestly great advice for people who are in stages of their life where there's a lot of transition. So if looking back when you were in college or starting your career, what advice would you give yourself? Keep learning because I definitely still don't know all the things. But I also think we have to slow down. I think if there's one thing I could tell 22, 23-year-old, maybe even 28-year-old Sloan is to slow down and know why you're running in the first place. Because I think, you know, talking about what we started with of my background and the lessons I was taught – I was kind of taught just to kind of be a marathon, just to run and run, 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 run. And you'll, you'll just know when you're there, I guess. And so I don't think I ever really took time to, one, see who was around me that could be teaching me these things and could be helping me because I was just so focused on whatever goal I thought I had to reach. And I think, you know, you talked about transition and I think we go through these seasons of life where we don't, we feel stuck or we don't know why we are where we're at. 
were at a job and were like, I loved my job six months ago and now I feel like I'm stuck in it. Or I think I should go back to school, but I don't know why I should go back to school. Or And we have all these kinds of feelings, but we don't slow down to ask ourselves those questions. And I think it's so critical, I think especially for young professionals, to create space for our self-development. And I think to do that, we have to create the space to slow down and ask ourselves those big questions and kind of sit in them. And I think for most of my 20s, I never did that. And I would just feel stuck and I would feel lost. And then I would be like, I'm going to go get a degree or I'm going to get a new job or I'm going to you know, say yes to these five different projects that I don't need to be saying yes to because I'm just grabbing at something because I'm trying to fulfill myself and trying to fill this feeling that says you need more, but I'm not stopping and saying, but what do I need more of? And this is where I segue in and plug Leadership Pikes Peak, because I think that's what makes our programs so important for our community and so important for leaders, because all of our programs really focus on that self-development. And I think in particular, Leadership Now really looks at, as young professionals, how do we create space physically, like having to come to a leadership class twice a month for five months, where you're creating space for your development, and you're with people who are also in that kind of same journey with you, who can hold you accountable and ask you those questions of like, well, why do you want to do this? Or why are you in your job? Or, you know, where do you see yourself not in two to three years, but in 30 years. And what are you doing now that's going to help build that kind of legacy 30 years from now? While at the same time learning about our community and learning about our city, we have to recognize and learn from our mistakes and the mistakes of others and begin to kind of visualize where we're heading, but we're not going to do that if we're constantly running. And I think I'm in this It's a hard season for me because I've pulled back from a lot of things because I realized about a year ago, I got a rising star from the business journal, which was an amazing honor. At the end of it, I was like, that's all great. And it felt wonderful. But I was like, I'm exhausted (laughs) and I'm doing all of these things and they're, they're helpful and they're making a difference. But why am I doing them? And what's, is it just so that I can win an award or just so people can know my name in the community? Is it just so I can look good or that's what I'm supposed to do? Or is it because it's actually giving me fulfillment in addition to helping our community? And I think I realized that I needed to pull back and say, okay, where do I see myself in 30 years? And what do I want to be known for? And I want to be known for someone who's one, healthy in regards to physically, mentally, emotionally, which means that I have to make sure I'm creating that balance of what it looks like to be a good partner to my husband, what it looks like to be a good parent for my children, what it looks like to be a good employee, to be a good teacher, to be a good leader, to be a good, you know, member of our community. And I didn't know what any of the answers to those questions were, right? I was like, I have no idea what any of that looks like. I know I want to be good at all those things. That's a lot of things to be good at. And so I've really tried to take this year just to slow down and begin to ask those questions of what does it look like to be engaged in the community? Does it mean I serve on five boards? Or does it mean I serve on one board and I give them my full attention and time? What does it look like to be a working mom, making sure I'm I would love to be at 50 events that happen all over the town, but that means I miss bedtime with my son and that's important. So maybe I go to one event a week so that I can be home with my family, you know, so just trying to find that dynamic and that balance 
but that took me slowing down and kind of being self-reflective. And I think we don't do that enough in general, but I think especially as young people, because we don't have time to, right? Like someone else will beat me to the to the job or someone else will get ahead of me. Or if I stop running, then I don't know if I'll have the energy to keep going. And I think that's the biggest advice that I would give myself. And I think it's the advice that I'm still kind of learning and taking, you know, as I enter into a new decade of living. I feel like you're preaching to me right now because that's something that I've been kind of struggling through is realizing I'm doing all of these things, but am I doing them well? Why am I doing these things? So like you said, and you've been through, you've had to slow down. So I've had to slow down and pull back from things and really understand my my why. Is this something that is truly edifying to me? I'm passionate about. And because of that, I can pour into other people in a more wholehearted manner. And it's been a, it's been a difficult process, but it's good. Slowing down, like you said, and asking that why. It's hard. I mean, you think about someone who has constantly been running and then to stop running, it feels weird and it feels like something is wrong with you, you know, or even when someone's like, what are you doing right now? And it's like, I feel like I should have 60 things to say. And it's like, it's okay to only have two things that you're doing right now if that's the season of life that you're in. But that's hard, you know, especially when you want to have the like list of things and list of accomplishments versus saying like, Honestly, I'm just trying to figure out who I am, which is a great answer. But we feel like that, that even saying that, I'm like, that feels like a weird response. But that should be an absolutely good response if what you're doing right now is working on yourself. Because there's so many things that are going to happen from you doing that. But it mm-hmm. feels unnatural to say, I'm working on me right now. Or I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. And people are like, well, then what's the answer? Well, I don't know yet. I'm still sitting in it. But... I don't know. We'll see. Something for me that I was thinking about on my commute this morning was if I am not helping myself and caring for myself, so really figuring out who I am, what I want to do, and then also, like you were talking about, physically, emotionally, and mentally taking care of myself, how am I going to help other people when I have nothing to give? Sloan, we appreciate you sharing all of that. It's I love hearing your leadership experience. Um, We're going to transition into bullet questions. So recommend one resource that is helpful to you in everyday life. Honestly, I could give you like a book or a podcast or a TED Talk, but I think the biggest resource that you need in your everyday life is community. I think you have to have people that are going to call you on your stuff and are going to support you and love you no matter what you do and are people who are going to continually push you and motivate you. And I think without that, you can read all the books in the world and watch all the TED Talks and all the podcasts and do all of that. But if you don't have those people to talk about those things with, you're going to be lost. And recommend one book that you enjoy. I honestly loved, I finished Michelle Obama's book, Becoming, um, which I think was just a great book on talking about the importance of stories and the fact that finding out who you are and how to be authentically yourself is so important. And I think her book just really kind of touches on that. Sure. One parting piece of guidance, the best way to connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Parting guidance, two parts. Communication is so important. Communicating with people who are different than us and think differently than us is how we learn and grow. Check out Leadership Pikes Peak. You can reach me. All my contact is on Leadership Pikes Peak's Facebook page, my email, all of that. LinkedIn is great. I'm also on, you know, Facebook, Instagram, all that fun stuff. But uh, LinkedIn is great professionally. And then check out Leadership Pike Speaks website. And you can email me at sloan at leadershippikespeak.org. And we can grab some coffee and talk more. Awesome. Thank you again, Sloan. This is John Mark. And this is Brent signing off.
I hope you all enjoyed this episode with Sloane Gonzalez as much as I did. One of the things that really stuck out to me that she shared was the analogy of the pigeon and the eagle. And I really like that because it's a matter of, are you someone, am I someone that is one in the crowd or am I an eagle that's flying forward with purpose? I thought that was a really great point too. And I've never really heard that analogy before. And it's honestly kind of comical to think of, you know, just a, a pigeon versus an eagle. But my favorite part that she talked about was the concept of slowing down because recently I've been seeing um, a lot of things about taking a look at values. So I feel like in today's advice to young professionals and millennials, you see a lot of people saying you should write down your goals. In a different perspective, you don't see people talking about what are your values behind those goals. So I think it's really huge to just slow down, take a look at your values. So the why rather than the what, and that's a really great thing that helps keep you motivated and going even once you've reached the goals you've set for yourself. And even another way to look at it through starting with why you're kind of life planning. And one of the one of the characteristics that I've seen in a lot of successful people is they take time to plan out their week. What about planning out your life, which is starting with why, slowing down, taking that time, planning what you're going to do next and doing it with purpose. You can check out Leadership Pikes Peak at leadershippikespeak.org. They're currently enrolling for their Leadership Now program, um, which is a great opportunity to get more involved with in the Colorado Springs community. Be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast hosting platform. And be sure to check back every first and third Tuesday of the month for a new episode of Attitude Check. Be sure to check us out on Facebook to stay up to date with all the new and exciting things we're doing. And thank you so much to all of our listeners that like and share our episodes. It really helps us out a lot and make sure you check out our brand new instagram page for some new ideas and content that we're going to be putting out so check us out on instagram at, at attitude check podcast thank you again for listening to this episode of attitude check and we'll catch you next time